Yes, I am Matt. This is Anne, my wife here. I'm one of the elders here and uh, had the privilege of uh, founding the Church Kings, uh, which is really exciting. Um, another exciting thing, just uh, last night, just uh, on the back of the kind of healing stuff uh, that I wasn't going to share, and then, I, and then I just got inspired about it, uh, just as that last bit there, as Luke was sharing this testimony. And we had our grandkids round, and it was late. I mean, what time was it? 11. It was late, and uh, the, the older ones had just gone to, well, were going to bed. And, um, and then this thing was like, yeah, he's, I, said, I said, Ethan, who's 15, I mean, I can really see your hips kind of like, like at a different angle to the other, uh, part, other side. And I said, are you kind of walking funny? And he said, yeah, it's just kind of leg thing. I get this kind of back pain. And I said, and then... His mom said, my daughter, uh, oh, that's what grandpa does. He prays for legs. And I'm like, oh no, it's 11 o'clock, you know, I mean, come on, I'm tired. You know, and, uh, but it was, and I haven't done it for ages. But I said, okay, let, let's do it. Okay. And so we just got the kitchen chair, put it down, kind of got him to sit down, got him to put some trousers on. Because <laughs> he was in his pajamas, you know. Kind of. and, uh, so, uh, so, and he sat down and it was, and he, and we just pray, just two minutes, you know. It's like, it's like a two-minute prayer. You just pray for the leg to grow. Uh, and he, he just was so amazed. And he was like, wow. He said, I felt that. And it was just, and he said, what a weird feeling, you know, actually my leg growing. And uh, so it was just really great. What? Yeah, yeah. And so it was actually different. Yeah, it was actually the same. We, we measured it, and it was, you know, took a picture of it and it was actually you know a different size so it was just very exciting and just great what I'd done for him isn't isn't God good (laughs) so let's believe for more of that uh, in the church and you know I'd love to pray with anyone afterwards who has a back pain okay uh, and just come up the front here and I will pray for you Um, great well today we're looking at the Samaritan woman um, and um this is another encounter uh, with Jesus. We're calling this series Getting Closer to Jesus. Do you want to get closer up there to Jesus? Yeah? Great. Uh, and uh, so this is the story of the Samaritan uh, woman. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was speaking about the Syrophoenician woman. This is a different, this is Samaria. Uh, this is not just kind of Gentile territory. I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, and interestingly, it often seems to me that Jesus has his deepest and most profound chats with women. Uh, we, are, we, we learn so much from these encounters. Uh, and he, at this time, goes out of his way to actually engage and chat to her, which is very exciting. And... Um, we know the story well, and there's lots of different angles we could take. Um, but today, I'm wanting to concentrate on her responses to him. Okay, her responses to him. Now, when I say that, guys, don't just switch off. Don't think, okay, you know, this is a kind of women's thing. It's not a women's thing. It's about a heart thing. It's about actually a woman who is, has a need and encounters Jesus. Okay, um, and it seems like a seemingly chance encounter um, about a woman who seems to be, right at the beginning of the story, kind of ashamed, 
and sort of hiding herself. And then it moves right the way through to a woman who boldly proclaims the truth, not only about this man Jesus that she's just met, but also about what he's done in her life. So it's about her personal testimony and the power of her personal testimony. We see a woman who has clearly experienced many knocks in life to being mightily used to bring life and revelation to her whole town. Yeah? Isn't that exciting? Do you want to be used to actually, no matter what your background is this morning, do you want to be used to bring life and revelation to your part of Edinburgh or Lothians, or maybe you're not even from here and you're from somewhere else, actually reach your area, okay? Because that's what it's about, yeah? Now, here's the backstory, okay? Jesus and his disciples decide to go to Galilee from Judea. This is a three-day trek. Um, The most direct route, which is not the one that a lot of Jews take because they do not want to go through Samaria because they consider the inhabitants unclean and therefore liable to contaminate themselves. But the shortest route is through Samaria. Um, The Samaritans believe in Yahweh, okay, as their Jewish cousins, but they, they believe that worship happened in a different location from Jerusalem and they worshiped at Mount Gerizim, okay? And uh, interestingly, I didn't know this before, I kind of was looking at it, they only accept the kind of first five books, uh, the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, as their holy scriptures. So none of the rest of it they actually took. So, so that's an interesting thing, okay? Now, I've got to say, this is quite a large chunk of scripture we're going to read, okay? I'm leaving out a couple of bits, but I, I, I think it's important that we kind of run through it, even though we know it well. Okay, John 4, if you, if you want to turn to it, uh, I just think it's good that we actually look at the interactions, and I'm going to be going back to that as we're talking. Okay, uh, we're starting in verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, uh, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, Uh, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water 
so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. She said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I see you are a prophet. (laughs) Our ancestors worshipped in this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Skipping to verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Skipping to 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Amen. I'm going to look at six kind of changes. As I said, this woman changes from one thing right the way through. And uh, I'm going to look at six changes that happen, starting with hidden and kind of ashamed to being free and released from her past to openly proclaiming what God has done in her life. God wants to take us on a similar journey. He not only forgives us, but he turns our shame into joy where we can declare what he's done in our lives too. Amen? I think that sometimes... Our own personal stories about what God has done in our own lives are some of the most powerful things that God uses through his grace to actually change lives. Amen? Okay, number one. I'm calling this the least likely time to be seen. Let me, for a moment, transfer you out of cold Scotland it's not too cold, but it's kind of, it is our winter time. To a Middle Eastern hot, hot summer's day. And before the time that they had taps, okay? <laughs> One time, 
If you just hold the photo, one time Anne and I had taken a holiday in Egypt. This is Anne and I, okay, in Egypt, okay. Most of it we spent snorkeling in the Red Sea or in the pool. However, after a few days, I was, as I do, get a bit restless, okay, because you just get shut up in this kind of hotel for the whole time. Uh, And we just thought we have got to get out and actually... There was a village. We could see this village just a little. It wasn't far. It seemed about half a mile away. I said, I think we could do that. I mean, it was 40 degrees plus. Okay, it was really, really hot. And um, this actually isn't what we wore to go on that little journey. Okay, uh, but uh, <laughs> that was another occasion where we, where we actually went out and rode us some camels. Um, but I remember, we, I, I thought, okay, it's good. I've got the water, honey, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. And, uh, you know, we're kind of wearing some nice light clothing and stuff and a hat on and we're going to be fine. And we thought this short, this little short walk was going to be fine. And we kind of got going and after about 100 meters, we were like, oh, it's really hot, isn't it? I mean, it's really, really hot. I mean, no, I, and we've, by the time we got to the village, we were kind of staggering along, and we kind of finally got there. And uh, let's say that Anne um, was just clear that uh, she was not going to be walking back again. <laughs> and so we had to get a taxi and kind of travel back, because it, uh, it, it was just a short distance, but so hot. Here's this Samaritan woman. She chose to go to the well, probably a similar distance um, that we traveled, actually, uh, in the middle of the day to carry back heavy water containers to her home. Why did she go then? Why not a more sensible time when all the other women went, maybe at the beginning of the day when it was cooler or at the end of the day? Why did she chose the middle of the day when it was the hottest and the hardest? Well, because she was ashamed. She preferred to struggle with the heat than the jibes of the woman that were kind of that she knew in the village about her latest man friend. She chose to go at that time because she knew no other woman would be as stupid as to go at that time. And so she just knew she was going to actually have some peace and quiet. And it was a little bit of a shock to her to get to the well that she always went to to find that actually there was this man sitting on it. Let me just describe these wells, okay, because we kind of think of the wells. They, were, they actually had a kind of capstone over the top, kind of a big heavy stone that's so that children couldn't fall down them because obviously women are kind of traveling there sometimes with their kids. Uh, and there was a kind of rope going down. There's a hole in the middle of the big stone uh, in the middle, and they would lower down kind of like a leather pouch, okay, and they would tie the leather pouch on, um, with some sort of sticks across it so that it actually could go down and then pull it up again. And it would come through this hole. Uh, and that's how it was done, okay? Um, and what we see is that actually Jesus didn't have his bag. with People used to bring their own bag. They weren't just left at the well. You carried your own water bag with you. Um, and so, you know, why did he not have his water bag with him? Because she points this out. You don't even have a jar. You don't even have anything you could actually use to actually get this water, she points out to him. Well, because presumably the disciples who've nipped off to the local village to get some food have actually taken it with them. Now she sees that he's a Jew. And there's just no way that a Jew 
would have defiled themselves from drinking from a Samaritan's water pouch. I just want to say here, don't get the idea that she's some kind of reclusive, shy woman. I think this comes across when we're reading it. There's a, there's a kind of bold sassiness about her, actually, how she took... She's obviously used to um, <laughs> talking to men and, and uh, kind of fielding uh, their requests, okay? Uh, and uh, so she has this kind of boldness about her. Um, and he asks her for a drink, and she sort of snaps, off, snaps back with this kind of like, hang on, you know, you're a Jew, you know, I'm a Samaritan, how can you be asking me for a drink? You know, and uh, he starts to reveal this thing, if you knew who I was. And I want to say at this point, she's still thinking somewhat skeptically. She hasn't caught it yet. She's still thinking very physically and very kind of like, who is this guy, this chancer, who is kind of sitting there, kind of asking me for this thing. And it, 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 it only later kind of starts to transpire. So the second point is that the first, almost like when, when we, often when we come to Christ, we come and we're looking for personal gain. We're not thinking, she's not thinking about the village and how, how much this could actually help other people. She's thinking about herself. And I want to say, I think a lot of the time as I think about it, I think there's a kind of personal gain point right at the, right at the beginning. As we're kind of looking for God, there's a kind of, well, what's in it for me kind of angle. And we see this with her. She's still focused on what will benefit her. She's kind of open to this stranger's claims of living water. But she says, verse 15, well, yeah, okay, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here. That was her thinking, yeah? Actually, if, if actually, yeah, no, give me this water. Go on then. Give me this water because actually a, it, it means I won't have to keep coming back. She's not thinking, oh, this is the savior of the world. She's thinking, well, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think, you know, some of us kind of like look at it and we kind of think about the kind of free lunch, the, you know, God, God, I want to come to God because he might heal my pain, he might heal my broken marriage, he might help me because I'm kind of lost and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And maybe there's some of you here today, and that's you, you're kind of, thinking that and I just want to say that's a kind of normal response it's a normal response what can Jesus do for me it's only later that we realize yeah what can actually God's got bigger plans God wants to use me for his purposes what can I do to bring hope to countless others that's the second point that we're actually that God moves us to what can I do for other people I love this quote from Francis Chan, uh, having read his latest book. Becoming a Christian is a complete and total surrender of your own desires and flesh to a higher purpose of serving God's glory. It means you die to yourself and put on Christ. Yeah? It changes. We change from kind of personal gain 
to actually God's wanting to do something in me for others. I want to talk something about propositions and laws. I think other faiths often, they, they kind of have a, there's kind of propositions and laws like in, in Judaism, Islam, Sikhism. Their sort of way to salvation is through sort of follow these holy principles. And I want to say this living water, it's really important that we understand that the living water isn't, it isn't what Jesus just teaches, it's Jesus himself. What Jesus, what the Holy Scriptures bring us to is an understanding of the man, Christ Jesus. Here is the saviour of the world. And I think it's so important that we don't substitute and thinking, yeah, give me more principles. What, do you, what is it that you want me to do? What are the principles? And actually God's saying, no, no, never mind about the principles. I want you to just fall in love with me. It's I am the living water. I am the one that's going to come into your life. I am a person, almighty God, who's going to come and reign and live in you. You need to know me. And I think it's so important that we understand the person Christ. Yeah? Do you understand what I'm saying? She met the person Christ. I am the living water. I am the one that is going to reign with you and bring you to eternal life. It is is Jesus Christ. Yeah? The person. Like the Samaritan woman, we need to move from the what the living water being a what, a thing, to the who. Jesus said of himself, remember some of the I am statements. What are some of the, well, let's, let's throw it out, go on. You know some of the I am statements. Let's get, let's get some, yes. The way, the truth, and life. Yes, thank you, Mike. The bread of life, yeah, come on. The light of the world, yeah. Sorry, I missed that. Where was it? Okay, good. Fourth one? Yeah, vine. Yeah, Prince of Peace. Yeah, we could keep going. Good shep, yeah, the door. Yeah, those are the, yeah, those are the ones I've got. Great. Uh, I am, not, not, not this is, not this way, you know, follow this, 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 this teaching. No, no, I am. I am the bread of life. Eat me is what he's saying. Uh, and I think it's just so important we don't mix that up. Um, thirdly, thirdly, we're on these third points. <laughs> I love this point. Economical with the truth. Economical with the truth. Jesus tells her in verse 16, well, um, go and call your husband. Straightforward request. Go and call your husband. I have no husband, she says. <laughs> Let me tell you. You're sitting there, you're going for a job interview. And they ask you in the job interview and they say, so what's your current status? And you say, oh, well, I'm kind of in between jobs, you know. Uh, And, uh, oh, okay, in between jobs, right, okay. There's a whole load of difference between in between jobs and, well, actually the last five jobs I got fired from for misconduct. (laughs) 
<laughs> and <laughs> there's kind of like, there's being economical, I just want to kind of mystify it a bit, you know, I'm just kind of in between, uh, to being, actually, no, to be really honest, uh, this is the situation. She kind of like, she gives Jesus the slightly mystical answer of, well, I, I have no husband, you know, and it's like, yeah, you darn right you haven't got a husband. I know this is a real situation, she tells her straight exactly how many husbands she's had and the fact that the man that she is currently living with actually isn't her husband at all. Hmm. Jesus cleverly kind of commends her for telling the truth. Well done. You're right. You don't have a husband. Uh, I I think it's a great insight into human nature. Um, not actually lying exactly, but a long way from being transparent and being completely honest and being real. Um, it might fool others, but it doesn't fool God. He knows exactly what we have done. But you know, what's the good news? He loves us. He loves us in spite of all those things. That is the amazing grace of God, isn't it? That actually he knows. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've done. And he loves you just the same. Okay. It's so important that we know that. Actually, I haven't got to hide it away and kind of keep it under wraps in case he might find out. Because actually he knows. He knows exactly what we're about. Yeah? And what we've done. And we can be honest. Fourthly, changing the subject moves her from avoidance. She now moves. Sorry, I've done that bit. She, 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 she's faced with this issue. She's um, seen that actually God can see right through her. It's now getting really kind of hot. And what she does is she changes the subject. She starts to talk about a theological debate. (laughs) Uh, She moves uh, and she talks about, oh, let's talk about worship right now. So this suddenly, I know how many husbands you've had, the person you're not living with right now. Uh, Let's talk about worship and Jews and Samaritans and kind of, and she moves the subject completely away from a personal uh, the personal heat of that. And uh, <laughs> I think we can do that too. We can actually kind of, uh, certainly often when I'm talking to people who actually at the beginning of their faith or don't have any faith, they're actually, and, and it gets a little bit close, it's kind of some questions actually they start kind of firing back all sorts of things about creation and, uh, you know, um, end of the world and all sorts of questions are actually, let's get it away anyway, but not to me. Let's stop talking about whether Jesus can change my life. Let's talk about, you know, world poverty, <laughs> you know. And, so, and actually here it is. And she kind of does a bit of that. And um, Jesus kind of is very loving and kind of brings it back. And then fifthly and sixthly, very quick points. She says, 
I know the Messiah is coming. And Jesus says, I am the one speaking to you. She's, he's, he, he, he's more forthcoming to this Samaritan woman with a sort of dubious background than he has been in, in Israel. He, he's not this clear in Israel about who he is at this point. And yet he declares to her, I, yeah, I'm the Messiah, by the way. Just let's be absolute. There's no question about it. I am the Messiah. She, he tells her absolutely clearly. Amazing. And uh, she moves from hiding away, avoiding people in the middle of the day to openly proclaiming. She goes back to her village and she says, meet this man who told me everything about my life. Could he be the Messiah? I think I've met the Messiah. Do you want to come and see the Messiah? You know, the one we're waiting for for thousands of years. I think I've just met him at the well. I mean, that's, that's, that's what she's saying. And it's like, she's not ashamed. She's suddenly proclaiming. Suddenly, it's like, let me tell you about, you know, you know I mean, I, I've had five husbands. I mean, you guys kind of know that, but actually I haven't been open about it before. But now I'm being really open. And the fact is that Jesus just told me that exactly. It's a wonderful proclamation. She's no longer ashamed. She's now saying, God did this. Isn't that amazing? And point six we then see that actually that a lot of the village comes to know that um, this man really is the saviour of the world. That's their, that their, sta- their statement. We know this man really is the saviour of the world. They're convinced, not just because of what this woman says, but because they've, they've hung about with Jesus for a couple of days and their lives are transformed. Let's respond to this. Do you know that God's on your case? Do you know that um, are you like this woman that is kind of got things that you feel like you're hiding away a bit? Are you kind of ashamed about that you actually know that these things are kind of gone in your life that you just are a little bit economical about with others? Are you careful? where you're seen by others? Do you artfully try to judge the, dodge the truth kind of without telling the full facts? This is what God is saying to you. He, he wants to be led into every area of your life, not just little compartments. He wants to be led into every area of your life. I want you just right now as we're singing to think, God, oh, no, not that area, please. <laughs> I, 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 I'm ashamed of that. I don't want you to come and bring your light into that area of my life. And Jesus says, I know it anyway. Come on, isn't this time when I could actually bring some hope and release and freedom into the every area of your life? Do you not want me to use your story to bring hope and forgiveness for others, just like this woman did? The amazing thing is, He can use our mistakes for His greater glory.
He can use our mistakes. You think, yeah, no, I've made some mistakes. As you get older, you've got lots of mistakes you make. He can use my mistakes for His greater glory.